Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here, and we're so grateful that you're here. I want to show you something that should be on your pew. There's a piece of paper, 8.5 by 11 paper, with three icons on it. Rochelle Foster is a member of our church. Rochelle and Greg are um, a couple. They primarily go to 9 o'clock. But Rochelle works in marketing, and she is helping us develop logos for each of our five practices. So you'll see these logos and two more that go with risk-taking, mission and service, and extravagant generosity starting to be everywhere physically on our building, but also everywhere digitally in everything that we write. So I want you to become accustomed to these icons, these five practices that are really um, important to us. So we'll start off with Radical Hospitality. Um, the Young at Heart Luncheon is this week. Young at Heart is our um, senior group in our church that gathers once a month to eat. They typically eat here, but they are not eating here this week. This week they are at Lorinda's. They'll meet at Lorinda's at 11.45. They prefer you not be there at 11.46 or 47 or 51 or 58 or 12.01 or 12.05. They prefer you be at Lorinda's in the parking lot. 11.45 so that they can all walk in together and all sit down and eat together. Uh, so Young at Heart Luncheon, Lorinda's 11.45 in the parking lot. We believe in intentional faith development and confirmation is a huge part of that in the United Methodist Church. In the um, Baptist Church and the Methodist Church have two things that are uh, kind of parallel to one another. In the Baptist Church they will dedicate an infant and in the Methodist Church we will baptize an infant. In the Baptist Church around uh, adolescence you have, um, they join the church and are baptized based on their decision to join the church. In the United Methodist Church they join the church because of confirmation. And so it's a a um, eight to ten week process in which you'll um, these students will be um, pulled out of their normal lessons and will um, work with me and with uh, Katie, our new youth coordinator, um, to talk about the major issues of membership and uh, joining a church and what it means to be a um, faithful member in a, in a United Methodist Church. A meeting about that is tonight at 5 p.m. in the social hall, which is between this building and the uh, Family Life Center. We've had one meeting, and if you went to that one, you don't need to go to this one because it's about dates and things that are coming up. But if you missed that last meeting, this is the exact same information tonight at 5 p.m. in the social hall. We also believe in risk-taking mission and service, and Aaron, our children's director, is going to talk about that. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Aaron Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries. And our children tonight will be practicing risk-taking mission and service. First, we're going to hear from Don Lewis, who's going to explain um, the work of Daily Bread Ministries and the Thanksgiving boxes that we are all going to help uh, decorate, prepare, and deliver. Um, so tonight, I'm asking the children to bring a donation to put um, in a basket we'll pass to support those basket, uh, those uh, Thanksgiving boxes. And um, preschool children are also going to be taking part in this. They're usually separate from elementary, but at 6 o'clock they're going to come upstairs and join us to hear Don speak and to decorate some of these boxes. Um, preschoolers have a really busy night. Um, they will also be studying passionate worship, and they'll be here in the sanctuary. They'll, they'll be dropped off at their usual spot in the three-fourths classroom that will come here and will uh, learn a lot about what happens in the service, uh, including baptism. So they are asked to bring a stuffed animal or a doll so they can practice baptism um, with their teachers and learn a little bit about the, that sacrament. Um, so it will be a big night. Drop off in your usual places. Everyone picks up in the straight room upstairs. It's going to be a good night. I hope all children will attend. Thank you, Erin. 
I'm going to call on Carson Radline as one of our youth, and he's doing a follow-up of one of our um, mission projects as well. All right, good morning, everybody. Um, it's been a while since you've seen me up here talking about my plastic bag project, but I promise it's still around and we're revamping it. Um, what with school and a cross-country schedule, it's uh, not been great. It's kind of fallen to the wayside, but it's back now. And first off, I want to thank everyone for their continued donations of plastic bags. It's been really appreciated and it's been really awesome. And I want to thank everybody for that. So uh, that being said, uh, the Adult Unlimited class is hosting a plastic bag meeting this Thursday, November the 10th from 6 to 8.30. That's not in your bulletin, so you might want to write that down. November the 10th, this Thursday. Uh, pizza will be provided, and if you want to, you can bring a dessert. And I, I would really appreciate that. I hope to see all of you there. And remember, this Thursday, November the 10th, from 6 to 8.30 in the social hall. I hope to see all of you there. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Carson. We believe in extravagant generosity in every form, every way that you can give um, your time, your talent, your treasure to our um, church throughout the year. And one of our major, major parts of that is Consecration Sunday. It's November 20th. It's where everyone will make their pledge to us next year. We have one service on November 20th. It's here in the sanctuary, and it's at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. here in the sanctuary on November 20th. Following that meal, or that worship service, we have a meal in the Family Life Center. We want to make sure we have the exact numbers right for that because it's a big deal. We have a Thanksgiving meal. And so if you filled out a card last week to make a reservation for the dinner, you don't need to do that again. You're done. But if you have not filled out a card yet, if you would please raise your hand, we'll bring you one. Yes or no. You, even if you're not going to come, we'd like to mark that you're not going to come so that we can have the best, most accurate uh, roster possible. So if you raise your hand for a reservation card, our ushers will bring you one. And Don is going to play an interlude of the hymn that we're going to sing until we've gotten it, that all settled and then we're all going to stand and sing.
Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Today's first scripture lesson is from the book of Psalms, reading from Psalm 89, verses 1 through 7. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever. That you established your faithfulness in heavens itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Shelah. The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too, in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the counsel of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. The word of God for the people of God. Each year on the first Sunday of every month, every November, we celebrate those that we have lost um, since the past November. I'm going to call an acolyte forward. And our practice is going to be to read the name and the date of the person that we've lost, to ring a bell in their honor, and to light a candle in their name. Conrad Robertson, January 2nd, 2016. Mary B. Hayes, February 6th, 2016. J. 
Gail Kinnamore, March 15, 2016. Tom Hammond, April 9th, 2016. Dr. Kent Bridges, July 3rd, 2016. Jeanette A. Botts, July 16th, 2016. Barbara McClyman, August 17th, 2016. Constance Conley, August 29th, 2016. Jack Four, September 16th, 2016. Edna Lang, October 4th, 2016. joys of uh, what's called itineracy in the United Methodist Church ministers moving is that we get to experience a number of different churches and we learn so much from each church. One of the difficulties is establishing deep roots with congregations. And last November I read many names that I had heard of but had not met. This November I feel it entirely because I participated in so many of these names that we've read. Those candles mean a lot. That light that shines today means a lot. It meant a lot to this congregation for a long, long time. To this community. To the families that are here. To the families that are no longer here. Death is the downside of the gift of life. But every one of us is offered the gift of life. We'll pray together for these that we've lost because we feel pain collectively. Let us pray. Lord, we pray for Conrad, Mary, Gail, Tom, Kent, Jeanette, Barbara, Constance, Jack, and Edna. We pray in gratitude that they no longer feel the pain that they felt, that they feel proximity to you. We pray for the families that surround them, that have lost them. 
We ask that you continue to be with them in the months and years to come and as anniversaries come around. Help us, Lord, to remember and surround them with love and hope for the future. Place their great strengths on our hearts and our minds and our shoulders that we may pick them up, that we may carry those strengths forward because this church needs them. And though we can never replace them, we will try collectively to celebrate Jesus in the way that they did, that others may know of your name. Empower us in our weakness, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We think it's so important in this consecration season to celebrate two things. The practices that we believe in, in the time that we have to deliver God's message to people inside these walls and outside these walls. And also the celebration of leaders in our congregation who are dedicated and want to share the root of their dedication to this church that we can all be picked up and inspired. Our speaker today in the traditional service is Reese Hannon. Reese, come on up. If you haven't seen the logo on your aisle, if y'all will pass that down so you can show people um, what our five practices, what we're building uh, in this church. Good morning. Uh, last week, uh, Harriet Strait spoke to you all about your commitment and your service to this church. And uh, as a 23-year-old college senior, uh, I, I feel I have a different perspective. Um, I've, I have no income. I, I, I don't have the ability to, to give financially. Um, but a, as I do think about my commitment to this church, uh, you know, first of all, I begin to think of the gifts that, that God has given me and how I can use those uh, to serve this church and serve the people of this church. But I also, uh, I also think about the commitment and service of the people in this church and how it's impacted my life and the life of my family. Uh, I, I grew up in this church from the time I was a baby to now. Uh, I've always been a part of this church. And I think, first of all, of, of the people in this church and the examples that have been set for me in my life. I think of people like George Strait, John Rush. I think of uh, my grandparents, uh, Ken and Peggy Smith, who lived a, a life for Christ and for their family and uh, it really gave me an example to live my life by. Uh, I also think about their deaths and how this church came together gave their gifts to our family, gave their time to our family, and rallied around us uh, during that time. 
Another thing I think of is communion and offering. Uh, since I was a little kid, uh, my dad uh, used to always give me a few dollars uh, before I could even understand what what stewardship was or what what giving to the church was. He always give me a few dollars so when we came up and took a knee, I could put it on the altar. When the plate came by, I could put a dollar in. And even today, as I came in and sat down at the pew, uh, you know, we have communion. My dad gave me this dollar. Um, um, so things like that at this church, I've been taught from a young age to where I couldn't even understand uh, what it really meant to give to this church and to give back. I've been taught that it's important. I've seen examples that it's important. Another example from this church uh, that's already mentioned today are the Thanksgiving baskets. Those are coming up, and and the service that the foundation class has started there is unbelievable. It's, it's unreal. They give their time, their money, their effort, um, their Sunday afternoon to go deliver those things, to, to pack them. Um, the impact of that I, I've seen very, very personally when I was in, when I was younger. Uh, in elementary school, middle school, and high school, there were friends of mine that received Thanksgiving baskets. Their families received Thanksgiving baskets, and without that, they wouldn't have been able to have to have a Thanksgiving. Another thing, uh, another example of stewardship in this church is is the prayer group. Um, I've been fortunate enough to, to, to play football in college and had a lot of things kind of go on, a lot of adversity, a lot of good things. But um, the prayer group at this church always sends cards out and uh, given me a lot of encouragement in, in my time at Furman. Uh, really mean a lot to me. Um, not only me did they send cards to, though. Uh, my junior year, I had a roommate whose father passed away. Our prayer group at our church sent him a card, and it's still he still hangs it on his mirror to this day. This summer, even, I had a coach who his seven-year-old son had been sick for three months. They weren't sure what was, what was wrong. Nobody, no doctors could tell them what was wrong. The prayer group sent him a card. He keeps it at his desk. We don't really uh, think about a lot how our stewardship and how our lives and, and what we give our commitments to this church we think about how it impacts our church but we never really understand the true scope of it this church and the individuals of this church have reached far beyond Greer far beyond the, the walls of this church far beyond South Carolina they, they've reached the country and uh, as you begin to think about um, you know your commitment, what you can give to this church, whether it be financial, the gifts that God has given you. I urge you to think about what this church has given you. And I urge you to think about the scope of this church, the ministry of this church, and how far we are willing to take it. Thank you. Reese, thank you.
that's what I love about serving this church. I've served churches before that were dominated by young people in terms of numbers, and we didn't have much of experience, much to draw on. We were actually in an elementary school library, and I've served churches that were primarily seniors who were longing for young families, and to follow Miss Harriet straight last week with Reese this week is, uh, shows the, um, the width of the experience of this church. I'm grateful for that. We have uh, now our time for offering. If you would like to give electronically, you'll see in the uh, bulletin how to do that, um, either now or in a recurring fashion, and if you'll pass the attendance register.
seated. Today we're looking at Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 10. And depending on which Bible you have, sometimes they're a couple pages off. It's around page 1829 in your pew Bible if you'd like to read along. Our emphasis today is intentional faith development. And we're reading a letter from Paul to a church that he started that he now can't visit and can only write letters to them to encourage them. Verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You might want to keep your Bible open if you'd like to continue to read along. First question is, what's your driving force? What's the thing that makes you make good decisions in the morning? What's the thing that makes you make bad decisions in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening? What's the thing that motivates you? Because he is talking about the thing that motivates him. He says, I want to know Christ's sufferings. What does that mean? Well, if I can imagine, the first thing would be people clamoring. You ever have somebody or a large group of people grabbing after you, wanting something? Just over and over and over again, and there's more of them, and the more people you help, the more people come. It might be in uh, the workplace. It might be in the classroom. It might be at home, in the kitchen, when you're trying, trying to prepare dinner. It might be at the church, whatever it may be. There are so many people who need so many things, and you can't possibly fathom helping them all. That would be the first thing. The second thing would be people questioning. Sometimes the people who were just clamoring are now questioning. Wait, that's the thing you want to do? That's the thing you want to say? That's the place you want to go. Those are the people you want to help. The very people who are clamoring for help, questioning everything that you believe and everything that you do. Imagine if you and another person both had the same goal, the same belief in God, the same desire to follow it, and had entirely different ways that you wanted to do it. And both of you thought the other one couldn't be further from what God wanted. This is what Jesus is experiencing. People who are clamoring, people who are questioning, people who are walking away. They may have needed help. They may have not been interested in His answer. There may be something over there. There may be two people fighting, and it's interesting. I want to walk over there and see what that is. Or I want to walk over here and do what I want to do. So those three things, constantly, wherever he goes, with people in faith, with people outside of faith, in the country, in the city, in the temple, in the synagogue, people clamoring, questioning, and walking away. Paul says, I want to understand that. That would be a lot to hold on to as a human being. The second thing is, I want to become like him in his death. What was his death like? A lot of shame. By design. We want to make sure that anyone who was following you and thought you knew what you were doing will see that you are publicly shamed in front of all of these people to the level that anyone that was following you will quit 
and anyone who is thinking about following you will walk the other way. They want to shame him publicly, the religious leadership, although they don't want to have their hands on it, so they're going to get the Roman soldiers to do it. Abandonment from people deeply on the inside who were part of what they were doing and for people on the outside who were thinking about joining him. Isolation and abandonment in the deepest, darkest moment. And finally, immense pain. Just be painful to be in that moment. Paul, who previously persecuted all of these followers with all of these principles in the name of God is now in the name of God on the other side trying to understand what Jesus wanted and how he could do it. Those are important. But the last thing he wants is I want to attain his resurrection. I want to overcome all of the painful, human, broken things that are in this world and be something different. I want to conquer every broken element of human life on earth, even the number one thing that we experience, death. Verse 12 is important because he's writing to people who are trying to understand. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. You see a lot of videos or books or um, self-help where the person is the guru on the subject and tells you, hey, I'm the one that's got this thing figured out. And if y'all don't get it in the first five minutes, you're clueless. And the way you get over being clueless is to buy all this stuff. It's all the stuff that I put together because I've got it figured out. And once you buy all this stuff, you read it all, you'll have it figured out like, well, not quite like me, but, but close. Paul is the direct opposite of that. He says, I'm working on it. So three important statements. I haven't achieved. I haven't. I haven't arrived. But most importantly, the last statement, I haven't quit. I have not quit in my goal, though I haven't arrived or achieved. I'll give you the perfect example. I've been here for 16 months, and I've had three Fitbits in that time. Y'all know what a Fitbit is? It's a little wristband you wear on your wrist that counts the number of steps that you take. But far more important than that is the app that goes with it where you're supposed to enter the food that you ate that day. Kind of like confession. <laughs> and then it pushes your calories against your steps and tells you if there's a deficit. This is one instance in which a deficit is a good thing. Well, the way I did it, and my doctor uh, noted, was to overpower what I ate with steps. I'll just walk 16,000 steps before I change something. And he said, you know, really um, getting the deficit of the food is the important part of this. And I said, mind your business. I got a deficit going. <laughs> the important thing is, also, I've had three. I currently do not have it on. That is because it's dead in my book bag. The battery. It's been there for two weeks. I've been thinking every day, you know how to charge that thing. If I don't charge it, I don't wear it. If I don't wear it, then I don't log. If I don't log, then oh well. <laughs> and the reason I bought it 
is to help me because the first year of every appointment in the United Methodist Church, I'm likely to gain 10 pounds. I'm serious. Because I don't sleep well, I don't eat well, I don't stop, and I don't exercise until I get in a rhythm. Still fighting it to this day. So I'll share that brokenness with you. You can picture another example that you're experiencing with the three things I haven't achieved, I haven't arrived, but I also haven't stopped trying to do the thing that I want to do. Verse 13. But one thing I do, I'll tell you I'm doing this stone cold. This is Paul. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So here's our conflict. Let's say that you are asleep seven, seven hours a day. It might be more, it might be less, but all of us together. That means you have 17 hours. Right? Yeah. 17 hours, 52 weeks, 6,188 hours a year where you're doing something. How many of those hours do you spend looking back in regret? How many of those hours do you spend stewing in anger? How many of those hours do you spend daydreaming a better scenario? I'm stacking up. I bet it's more than 52 hours. And if you come to church every Sunday and attend worship, you've put in 52 hours of 6,188 if you back that off to a reasonable number that for a lot of people, to 38 or 42, of course, if you back that off with times in which you volunteered in another entity to help with nursery or whatever, and of course, you back that off with that time that person said that thing and you were just gone that day, or the time the microphone didn't work, or the time whatever, my goodness, you could be down to 15. So I'm not going to compete with the hours that you spend at work, and I'm not going to compete with the hours that you spend with fun with your family going up to Table Rock or going to a game. I could get the hours that I need from you for intentional faith development if I only went after the hours where you're looking back in anger, stewing over it, looking back in regret, or daydreaming a better scenario. I'm after those hours. And here's our pledge as a church for intentional faith development. We're going to give you as many live opportunities here on campus for you to learn more about God and about yourself outside of the worship service for every age group. It's important to be live together. But we're going to give you more digital opportunities than you've ever had before here too. Y'all remember when DVR came out? You know what I'm talking about? Where you can record live TV? I can tell my grandchildren that I remember when my sister got DVR. And what a big deal that was that you could record something and watch it later. I know that your lives are crazy. I know that you volunteer. We need like 55 volunteers a day here on a Sunday. Out of 300 people that are here on Sunday morning. So you're going to miss a lot. But I'm going to tell you that we are committed to recording our services, putting them online. We're committed to the podcast. We're committed to posting anything like uh, Reverend Strait speaking the other night at the dinner. I want you all to be committed to looking at our website and seeing different opportunities to pursue intentional faith development in between Sundays. When you start to think, can you believe that? You know what? I'm going to stop. I'm going to go read scripture for five minutes.
I can't believe that I did something so... You know what? I'm going to stop. I'm going to listen to the podcast on the website. You know, if only uh, I had a boat and a truck to pull it. I'm going to stop you right there. Look at the website. Find the podcast. Find a worship service. Find something that you missed before. Come on a Sunday night. Come during the day and learn something about Scripture that will help you with your faith development. We're going to make that promise and I want you to make that promise so that we can grow together. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to turn to page 12 in your hymnal. And I'd like you to stand as you're able just for the first part. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done Your will. We have broken Your law. We have rebelled against Your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You see that second to last phrase? Joyful obedience is a tough thing to track down. Because we feel regret. When we feel regret, we feel anger. When we feel anger, we look at God and say, why do you keep asking me stuff? We are expressing the fact that we did not get it right as much as we could have. And we corporately apologize. And we're begging forgiveness. God, free us for joyful obedience. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. If you would turn towards one another and say, peace be with you and be seated. If you look at page 13 for the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he 
gave himself up for us. He took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I'm going to call those who are helping to come forward, please. United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for communion are welcome to do so. You'll come by the outside aisle if you're able, and you'll go to, if you're leading, you come here, and if you're leading, you come here, so that you can then, every <laughs> time, so that you can then lead um, your row back to the pew. Um, we have gluten-free elements at each corner. If you would like a gluten-free element, please take one. And as we come by, just let us know uh, that we have it. And we will serve you one piece of bread and then give you a cup. Um, and you um, eat and drink them both. And then when um, I uh, give you the benediction, you'll all stand at one time to go back to your pew uh, together. I'm going to call the choir forward. So you're going to take the cup.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this table, for the grace that was extended for us to join. And we ask that every table that we share this week may become your table. That we may offer redemption, hope, and new purpose in your name. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let us stand now as you are able to sing our last hymn, number 664. Thank you so much to all who prepare for this service, for those who participated in the service, the youth being uh, ushers. We thank you for that. Reese, thank you for your word. We appreciate that. Families who lost someone, we remember you, and we love you, and we support you, and we will continue to do so. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.